Against the Valentinians, Part Two by Tertullian. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. For Enthymesis, or rather Akamoth, because by this inexplicable name alone must she be henceforth designated, when in company with the vicious passion, her inseparable companion, she was expelled to places devoid of that light which is the substance of the pleroma, even to the void and empty region of Epicurus. She becomes wretched also because of the place of her banishment. She is indeed without either form or feature, even an untimely and abortive production. Whilst she is in this plight, Christ descends from the heights, conducted by Horos, in order to impart form to the abortion, out of his own energies, the form of substance only, but not of knowledge also. Still, she is left with some property. She has restored to her the odour of immortality, in order that she might, under its influence, be overcome with the desire of better things than belonged to her present plight. Having accomplished his merciful mission, not without the assistance of the Holy Spirit, Christ returns to the Pleroma. It is usual, out of an abundance of things, for names to be also forthcoming. Enthymesis came from action, whence Akamoth came is still a question. Sophia emanates from the Father, the Holy Spirit from an angel. She entertains a regret for Christ immediately after she had discovered her desertion by him. Therefore she hurried forth herself in quest of the light of him whom she did not at all discover, as he operated in an invisible manner, for how else would she make search for his light, which was as unknown to her as he was himself? Try, however, she did, and perhaps would have found him, had not the selfsame Horos, who had met her mother so opportunely, fallen in with the daughter quite as unseasonably, so as to exclaim at her, Aeo, just as we hear the cry Poro Quiritus, out of the way, Romans, or else Fidem Caesaris, by the faith of Caesar, whence, as they will have it, the name Aeo comes to be found in the scriptures. Being thus hindered from proceeding further, and being unable to surmount the cross, that is to say, Horos, because she had not yet practised herself in the part of Catullus's Loreolus, and given over, as it were, to that passion of hers in a manifold and complicated mesh, she began to be afflicted with every impulse thereof, with sorrow, because she had not accomplished her enterprise, with fear, lest she should lose her life, even as she had lost the light, with consternation, and then with ignorance. But not as her mother did she suffer this, for she was an eon. Hers, however, was a worse suffering, considering her condition, for another tide of emotion still overwhelmed her, even of conversion to the Christ, by whom she had been restored to life, and had been directed to this very conversation. Well now, the Pythagoreans may learn, the Stoics may know, Plato himself may discover whence matter, which they will have to be unborn, derived both its origin and substance for all this pile of the world, a mystery which not even the renowned Mercurius Tresmegistus, master as he was of all physical philosophy, thought out. You have just heard of conversion, one element in the passion we have so often mentioned. Out of this the whole life of the world, and even that of the demiurge himself, our God, is said to have had its being. Again, you have heard of sorrow and fear. From these all other created things took their beginning. 
for from her tears flowed the entire mass of waters from this circumstance one may form an idea of the calamity which she encountered so vast were the kinds of the tears wherewith she overflowed she had salt tear-drops she had bitter and sweet and warm and cold and bituminous and ferruginous and sulphurous and even poisonous so that the nonacris exuded therefrom which killed alexander and the river of the lincesti flowed from the same source which produces drunkenness and the salmasis was derived from the same source which renders men effeminate the rains of heaven achamoth whimpered forth and we on our part are anxiously employed in saving up in our cisterns the very wails and tears of another in like manner from the consternation and alarm of which we have also heard bodily elements were derived and yet amidst so many circumstances of solitude in this vast prospect of destitution she occasionally smiled at the recollection of the sight of christ and from this smile of joy light flashed forth how great was this beneficence of providence which induced her to smile and all that we might not linger for ever in the dark nor need you feel astonished how from her joy so splendid an element could have beamed upon the world when from her sadness even so necessary a provision flowed forth for man o illuminating smile o irrigating tear and yet it might now have acted as some alleviation amidst the horror of her situation for she might have shaken off all the obscurity thereof as often as she had a mind to smile even not to be obliged to turn suppliant to those who had deserted her she too resorts to prayers after the manner of her mother but christ who now felt a dislike to quit the pleroma appoints the paraclete as his deputy to her therefore he dispatches soter the saviour who must be the same as jesus to whom the father imparted the supreme power over the whole body of the eons by subjecting them all to him so that by him as the apostle says all things were created with a retinue and cortege of contemporary angels and as one may suppose with a dozen faces hereupon achamoth being quite struck with the pomp of his approach immediately covered herself with a veil moved at first with a dutiful feeling of veneration and modesty but afterwards she surveys him calmly and his prolific equipage with such energies as she had derived from the contemplation she meets him with the salutation curia here hail lord upon this i suppose he receives her confirms and conforms her in knowledge as well as cleanses her from all the outrages of passion without however utterly severing them with an indiscriminateness like that which had happened in the casualties which befell her mother for such vices as had become inveterate and confirmed by practice he throws together and when he had consolidated them in one mass he fixes them in a separate body so as to compose the corporeal condition of matter extracting out of her inherent incorporeal passion such an aptitude of nature as might qualify it to attain a reciprocity of bodily substances which should emulate one another so that a twofold condition of the substances might be arranged one full of evil through its faults the other susceptible of passion from conversion this will prove to be matter which has set us in battle array against homogenes and all others who presume to teach that god made all things out of matter not out of nothing then Achamoth, delivered at length from all her evils, wonderful to tell, goes on and bears fruit with greater results, for, warmed with the joy of so great an escape from her unhappy condition, and at the same time heated with an actual contemplation of the angelic luminaries, one is ashamed to use such language, 
but there is no other way of expressing one's meaning she during the emotion somehow became personally inflamed with desire towards them and at once grew pregnant with a spiritual conception at the very image which the violence of her joyous transport and the delight of her prurient excitement had imbibed and impressed upon her she at length gave birth to an offspring and then there arose a leash of natures from a triad of causes one material arising from her passion another animal arising from her conversion the third spiritual which had its origin in her imagination having become a better proficient in practical conduct by the authority which we may well suppose accrued to her from her three children she determined to impart form to each of the natures the spiritual one however she was unable to touch inasmuch as she was herself spiritual for a participation in the same nature has to a very great extent disqualified like and consubstantial beings from having superior power over one another therefore she applies herself solely to the animal nature adducing the instructions of sota for her guidance and first of all she does what cannot be described and read and heard of without an intense horror at the blasphemy thereof she produces this god of ours the god of all except of the heretics the father and creator and king of all things which are inferior to him for from him do they proceed if however they proceed from him and not rather from akamoth or if only secretly from her without his perceiving her he was impelled to all that he did even like a puppet which is moved from the outside in fact it was owing to this very ambiguity about the personal agency in the works which were done that they coined for him the mixed name of metropata motherly father whilst his other appellations were distinctly assigned according to the conditions and positions of his works so that they call him father in relation to the animal substances to which they give the place of honour on his right hand whereas in respect of the material substances which they banish to his left hand they name him demiurgus whilst his title king designates his authority over both classes nay over the universe and yet there is not any agreement between the propriety of the names and that of the works from which all the names are suggested since all of them ought to have borne the name of her by whom the things were done unless after all it turn out that they were not made by her for although they say that akamoth devised these forms in honour of the eons they yet transfer this work to Sota as its author, when they say that he operated through her so far as to give her the very image of the invisible and unknown father, that is, the image which was unknown and invisible to the demiurge, whilst he formed this same demiurge in imitation of Nus, the son of Propata, and whilst the archangels, who were the work of the demiurge, resembled the other eons. Now, when I hear of such images of the three, I ask, do you not wish me to laugh at these pictures of their most extravagant painter at the female akamoth a picture of the father at the demiurge ignorant of his mother much more so of his father at the picture of nous ignorant of his father too and the ministering angels facsimiles of their lords this is painting a mule from an ass and sketching ptolemy from valentinus the demiurge therefore placed as he was without the limits of the pleroma in the ignominious solitude of his eternal exile founded a new empire this world of ours by clearing away the confusion and distinguishing the difference between the two substances which severally constituted it the animal and the material out of incorporeal elements he constructs bodies heavy light erect and stooping 
celestial and terrene then he completes the sevenfold stage of heaven itself with his own throne above all whence he had the additional name of sabbatum from the hebdomadal nature of his abode his mother akamoth too had the title ogdoada after the precedent of the primeval ogdoad these heavens however they consider to be intelligent and sometimes they make angels of them as indeed they do of the demiurge himself as also they call paradise the fourth archangel because they fix it above the third heaven of the power of which adam partook when he sojourned there amidst its fleecy clouds and shrubs ptolemy remembered perfectly well the prattle of his boyhood that apples grew in the sea and fishes on the tree after the same fashion he assumed that nut trees flourished in the skies the demiurge does his work in ignorance and therefore perhaps he is unaware that trees ought to be planted only on the ground his mother of course knew all about it how is it then that she did not suggest the fact since she was actually executing her own operation but whilst building up so vast an edifice for her son by means of those works which proclaim him at once to be father god and king before the conceits of the valentinians why she refused to let them be known to even him is a question which i shall ask afterwards meanwhile you must believe that sophia has the surnames of earth and of mother mother earth of course and what may excite your laughter still more heartily even holy spirit in this way they have conferred all honour on that female i suppose even a beard not to say other things besides the demiurge had so little mastery over things on the score you must know of his inability to approach spiritual essences constituted as he was of animal elements that imagining himself to be the only being he uttered this soliloquy i am god and beside me there is none else but for all that he at least was aware that he had not himself existed before he understood therefore that he had been created and that there must be a creator of a creature of some sort or other how happens it then that he seemed to himself to be the only being notwithstanding his uncertainty and although he had at any rate some suspicion of the existence of some creator the odium felt amongst them against the devil is the more excusable even because the peculiarly sordid character of his origin justifies it for he is supposed by them to have had his origin in that criminal excess of her sorrow from which they also derive the birth of the angels and demons and all wicked spirits yet they affirm that the devil is the work of the demiurge and they call him munditanens ruler of the world and maintain that as he is of a spiritual nature he has a better knowledge of the things above than the demiurge an animal being he deserves from them the preeminence which all heresies provide him with their most eminent powers moreover they confine within the following limits as in a citadel in the most elevated of all summits presides the trisonry pleroma horos marking off its boundary line beneath it akamoth occupies the intermediate space for her abode treading down her son for under her comes the demiurge in his own hebdomad or rather the devil sojourning in this world in common with ourselves formed as has been said above of the same elements and the same body out of the most profitable calamities of sophia inasmuch as if it had not been for these our spirit would have had no space for inhaling and ejecting air that delicate vest of all corporeal creatures that revealer of all colours that instrument of the seasons if the sadness of sophia had not filtered it just as her fear did the animal existences 
and her conversion the demiurge himself into all these elements and bodies fire was fanned now since they have not as yet explained to us the original sensation of this in sophia i will on my own responsibility conjecture that its spark was struck out of the delicate emotions of her feverish grief for you may be quite sure that amidst all her vexations she must have had a good deal of fever such being their conceits respecting god or if you like the gods of what sort are their figments concerning man for after he had made the world the demiurge turns his hands to man and chooses for him as his substance not any portion of the dry land as they say of which alone we have any knowledge although it was at that time not yet dried by the waters becoming separated from the earthly residuum and only afterwards became dry but of the invisible substance of that matter which philosophy indeed dreams of from its fluid and fusible composition the origin of which i am unable to imagine because it exists nowhere now since fluidity and fusibility are qualities of liquid matter and since everything liquid flowed from sophia's tears we must as a necessary conclusion believe that muddy earth is constituted of sophia's eye-rooms and viscid discharges which are just as much the dregs of tears as mud is the sediment of waters thus does the demiurge mould man as a potter does his clay and animates him with his own breath made after his image and likeness he will therefore be both material and animal a fourfold being for in respect of his image he must be deemed clayey that is to say material although the demiurge is not composed of matter but as to his likeness he is animal for such too is the demiurge you have two of his constituent elements moreover a coating of flesh was as they allege afterwards placed over the clayey substratum and it is this tunic of skin which is susceptible of sensation in akamoth moreover there was inherent a certain property of a spiritual germ of her mother sophia's substance and akamoth herself had carefully severed off the same quality and implanted it in her son the demiurge although he was actually unconscious of it it is for you to imagine the industry of this clandestine arrangement for to this end had she deposited and concealed this germ that whenever the demiurge came to impart life to adam by his inbreathing he might at the same time draw off from the vital principle the spiritual seed and as by a pipe inject it into the clayey nature in order that being then fecundated in the material body as in a womb and having fully grown there it might be found fit for one day receiving the perfect word when therefore the demiurge commits to adam the transmission of his own vital principle the spiritual man lay hid although inserted by his breath and at the same time introduced into the body because the demiurge knew no more about his mother's seed than about herself to this seed they give the name of ecclesia the church the mirror of the church above and the perfection of man tracing this perfection from akamoth just as they do the animal nature from the demiurge the clay material of the body they derive from the primordial substance the flesh from matter so that you have a new guryon here only a fourfold rather than a threefold monster in like manner they assign to each of them a separate end to the material that is to say the carnal nature which they also call the left-handed they assign undoubted destruction to the animal nature which they also call the right-handed a doubtful issue inasmuch as it oscillates between the material and the spiritual and is sure to fall at last on the side to which it has mainly gravitated 
as regards the spiritual however they say that it enters into the formation of the animal in order that it may be educated in company with it and be disciplined by repeated intercourse with it for the animal nature was in want of training even by the senses for this purpose accordingly was the whole structure of the world provided for this purpose also did sota the saviour present himself in the world even for the salvation of the animal nature by yet another arrangement they will have it that he in some prodigious way clothed himself with the primary portions of those substances the whole of which he was going to restore to salvation in such wise that he assumed the spiritual nature from akamoth while he derived the animal being christ afterwards from the demiurge his corporal substance however which was constituted of an animal nature only with wonderful and indescribable skill he wore for a dispensational purpose in order that he might in spite of his own unwillingness be capable of meeting persons and of being seen and touched by them and even of dying but there was nothing material assumed by him inasmuch as that was incapable of salvation as if he could possibly have been more required by any others than by those who were in want of salvation and all this in order that by severing the condition of our flesh from christ they may also deprive it of the hope of salvation i now adduce what they say concerning christ upon whom some of them engraft jesus with so much license that they foist into him a spiritual seed together with an animal inflatious indeed i will not undertake to describe these incongruous crammings which they have contrived in relation both to their men and their gods even the demiurge has a christ of his own his natural son an animal in short produced by himself proclaimed by the prophets his position being one which must be decided by prepositions in other words he was produced by means of a virgin rather than of a virgin on the ground that having descended into the virgin rather in the manner of a passage through her than of a birth by her he came into existence through her not of her not experiencing a mother in her but nothing more than a way upon this same christ therefore so they say jesus descended in the sacrament of baptism in the likeness of a dove moreover there was even in christ accruing from akamoth the condiment of a spiritual seed in order of course to prevent the corruption of all the other stuffing for after the precedent of the principal tetrad they guard him with four substances the spiritual one of akamoth the animal one of the demiurge the corporeal one which cannot be described and that of sota or in another phrase the columbine as for sota jesus he remained in christ to the last impassable incapable of injury incapable of apprehension by and by when it came to a question of capture he departed from him during the examination before pilate in like manner his mother's seed did not admit of being injured being equally exempt from all manner of outrage and being undiscovered even by the demiurge himself the animal and carnal christ however does suffer after the fashion of the superior christ who for the purpose of producing akamoth had been stretched upon the cross that is horos in a suitable though not a cognizable form in this manner do they reduce all things to mere images christians themselves being indeed nothing but imaginary beings meanwhile the demiurge being still ignorant of everything although he will actually have to make some announcement himself by the prophets but is quite incapable of even this part of his duty because they divide authority over the prophets between akamoth the seed and the demiurge no sooner heard of the advent of sota the saviour than he runs to him with haste and joy with all his might like the centurion in the gospel 
and being enlightened by him on all points he learns from him also of his own prospect how that he is to succeed to his mother's place being thenceforth free from all care he carries on the administration of this world mainly under the plea of protecting the church for as long a time as may be necessary and proper i will now collect from different sources by way of conclusion what they affirm concerning the dispensation of the whole human race having at first stated their views as to man's threefold nature which was however united in one in the case of adam they then proceed after him to divide it into three with their especial characteristics finding opportunity for such distinction in the posterity of adam himself in which occurs a threefold division as to moral differences cain and abel and seth who were in a certain sense the sources of the human race become the fountain-heads of just as many qualities of nature and essential character the material nature which had become reprobate for salvation they assigned to cain the animal nature which was poised between divergent hopes they find in abel the spiritual preordained for certain salvation they store up in seth in this way also they make a twofold distinction among souls as to their property of good and evil according to the material condition derived from cain or the animal from abel men's spiritual state they derive over and above the other conditions from seth adventitiously not in the way of nature but of grace in such wise that akamoth infuses it among superior beings like rain into good souls that is those who are enrolled in the animal class whereas the material class in other words those which are bad souls they say never receive the blessings of salvation for that nature they have pronounced to be incapable of any change or reform in its natural condition this grain then of spiritual seed is modest and very small when cast from her hand but under her instruction increases and advances into full conviction as we have already said and the souls on this very account so much excelled all others that the demiurge even then in his ignorance held them in great esteem for it was from their list that he had been accustomed to select men for kings and for priests and these even now if they have once attained to a full and complete knowledge of these foolish conceits of theirs since they are already naturalized in the fraternal bond of the spiritual state will obtain a sure salvation nay one which is on all accounts their due for this reason it is that they neither regard works as necessary for themselves nor do they observe any of the calls of duty eluding even the necessity of martyrdom on any pretence which may suit their pleasure for this rule they say is enjoined upon the animal seed in order that the salvation which we do not possess by any privilege of our state we may work out by right of our conduct upon us who are of an imperfect nature is imprinted the mark of this animal seed because we are reckoned as sprung from the loves of thaletus and consequently as an abortion just as their mother was but woe to us indeed should we in any point transgress the yoke of discipline should we grow dull in the works of holiness and justice should we desire to make our confession anywhere else i know not where and not before the powers of this world and the tribunals of the chief magistrates as for them however they may prove their nobility by the dissoluteness of their life and their diligence in sin since achamoth fawns on them as her own for she too found sin no unprofitable pursuit now it is held amongst them that for the purpose of honouring the celestial marriages it is necessary to contemplate and celebrate the mystery always by cleaving to a companion that is to a woman otherwise they account any man degenerate and a bastard to the truth who spends his life in the world without loving a woman or uniting himself to her 
then what is to become of the eunuchs who we see amongst them? It remains that we say something about the end of the world and the dispensing of reward. As soon as Akamoth has completed the full harvest of her seed, and has then proceeded to gather it into her garner, or after it has been taken to the mill and ground to flour, has hidden it in the kneading trough with yeast until the whole be leavened, then shall the end speedily come. Then, to begin with Akamoth, herself removes from the middle region, from the second stage to the highest, since she is restored to the pleroma, she is immediately received by that paragon of perfection, Sota, as her spouse, of course, and they too afterwards consummate new nuptials. This must be the spouse of the scriptures, the pleroma of espousals, for you might suppose that the Julian laws were interposing, since there are these migrations from place to place. In like manner, the demiurge, too, will then change the scene of his abode from the celestial hebdomad to the higher regions to his mother's now vacant saloon by this time knowing her without however seeing her a happy coincidence for if he had caught a glance of her he would have preferred never to have known her as for the human race its end will be to the following effect to all which bear the earthly and material mark there accrues an eternal destruction because all flesh is grass and amongst these is the soul of mortal man except when it has found salvation by faith the souls of just men that is to say our souls will be conveyed to the demiurge in the abodes of the middle region we are duly thankful we shall be content to be classed with our god in whom lies our own origin in the palace of the pleroma nothing of the animal nature is admitted nothing but the spiritual swarm of valentinus there then the first process is the despoiling of men themselves that is men within the pleroma now this despoiling consists of the putting off of the souls in which they appear to be clothed, which they will give back to their demiurge as they had obtained them from him. They will then become wholly intellectual spirits, impalpable, invisible, and in this state will be readmitted invisibly to the pleroma, stealthily, if the case admits of the idea. What then? They will be dispersed amongst the angels, the attendants on Sota. As sons, do you suppose? Not at all. As servants, then? No, not even so. Well, as phantoms? Would that it were nothing more. Then in what capacity, if you are not ashamed to tell us? In the capacity of brides. Then will they end their Sabine rapes with the sanction of wedlock. This will be the guerdon of the spiritual, this the recompense of their faith. Such fables have their use. Although but a Marcus or a Gaius, full-grown in this flesh of ours, with a beard and such like proofs of virility, it may be a stern husband, a father, a grandfather, a great-grandfather, never mind what, in fact, if only a male. You may perhaps in the bridal chamber of the pleroma, I have already said so tacitly, even become the parent by an angel of some eon of high numerical rank. For the right celebration of these nuptials, instead of the torch and veil, I suppose that secret fire is then burst forth, which, after devastating the whole existence of things, will itself also be reduced to nothing at last, after everything has been reduced to ashes, and so their fable too will be ended. But I too am no doubt a rash man in having exposed so great a mystery in so derisive a way. I ought to be afraid that Akamoth, who did not choose to make herself known even to her own son, would turn mad, that Thaletus would be enraged, that fortune would be irritated. But I am yet a liegeman of the demiurge. I have to return after death to the place where there is no more giving in marriage, where I have to be clothed upon rather than to be despoiled. 
where, even if I am despoiled of my sex, I am classed with angels, not a male angel nor a female one. There will be no one to do aught against me, nor will they then find any male energy in me. I shall now at last produce, by way of finale, after so long a story, those points which, not to interrupt the course of it, and by the interruption distract the reader's attention, I have preferred reserving to this place. They have been variously advanced by those who have improved on the doctrines of Ptolemy. For there have been in his school disciples above their master, who have attributed to their Bithus two wives, Cogitatio, Thought, and Voluntas, Will. For Cogitatio alone was not sufficient wherewith to produce any offspring, although from the two wives procreation was most easy to him. The former bore him monogenes, only begotten, and veritas, truth. Veritas was a female after the likeness of Cogitatio. Monogenes, a male, bearing a resemblance to voluntas, for it is the strength of voluntas which procures the masculine nature inasmuch as she affords efficiency to Cogitatio. Others, of purer mind, mindful of the honour of the deity, have, for the purpose of freeing him from the discredit of even single wedlock, preferred assigning no sex whatever to Bithus, and therefore very likely they talk of this deity in the neutral gender rather than this god. Others, again, on the other hand, speak of him as both masculine and feminine, so the worthy chronicler Fenestella must not suppose that an hermaphrodite was only to be found among the good people of Luna. There are some who do not claim the first place for Bithus, but only a lower one. They put their Ogdoad in the foremost rank, itself, however, derived from a tetrad, but under different names. For they put Proarche, before the beginning, first, Ananoatos, inconceivable, second, Aretos, indescribable, third, Aoratos, invisible, fourth. Then after Proarche they say Arche, beginning, came forth, and occupied the first and the fifth place, and from Ananoitos came Akataleptos, incomprehensible, in the second and the sixth place. From Aritos came Anonomastos, nameless, in the third and seventh place. From Aoratos came Agenitos, unbegotten, in the fourth and the eighth place. Now by what method he arranges this, that each of these eons should be born in two places, and that too, at such intervals, I prefer to be ignorant of than to be informed." For what can be right in a system which is propounded with such absurd peculiars? How much more sensible are they who, rejecting all this tiresome nonsense, have refused to believe that any one eon has descended from another by steps like these, which are really neither more nor less commonian, but that on a given signal, the eightfold emanation of which we have heard, issued all at once from the father and his enoia thought that it is, in fact, from his mere notion that they gain their designations. When, as they say, he thought of producing offspring, he on that account gained the name of father. After producing, because the issue which he produced was true, he received the name of truth. When he wanted himself to be manifested, he on that account was announced as man. Those, moreover, whom he preconceived in his thought when he produced them, were then designated the church. As man he uttered his word, and so this word is his first-begotten son, and to the word was added a life. And by this process the first Ogdoad was completed. However, the whole of this tiresome story is utterly poor and weak. Now listen to some other buffooneries of a master who is a great swell among them, and who has pronounced his dicta with an even priestly authority. They run thus. There comes, he says, before all things, pro-arche, the inconceivable and indescribable and nameless, 
which I for my own part called monotis, solitude. With this was associated another power to which also I give the name of henotis, unity. Now, inasmuch as monotis and henotis, that is to say, solitude and union, were only one being, they produced, and yet not in the same way of production, the intellectual, inassible, invisible beginning of all things, which human language has called monad, solitude. This has inherent in itself a consubstantial force which it calls unity. These powers, accordingly, solitude or solitariness, and unity or union, propagated all the other emanations of eons. Wonderful distinction, to be sure. Whatever change, union, and unity may undergo, solitariness and solitude is profoundly supreme. Whatever designation you give the power, it is one and the same. Secundus is a trifle more human, as he is briefer. He divides the Ogdoad into a pair of tetrads, a right-hand one and a left-hand one, one light and the other darkness. Only he is unwilling to derive the power which apostatized and fell away from any one of the eons, but from the fruits which issued from their substance. Now concerning even the Lord Jesus, into how great a diversity of opinion are they divided? One party form him in the blossoms of all the eons, another party will have it that he is made up only of those ten whom the word and the life produced, from which circumstances the titles of the word and the life were suitably transferred to him. Others, again, that he rather sprang from the twelve, the offspring of man and the church, and therefore they say he was designated son of man. Others, moreover, maintain that he was formed by Christ and the Holy Spirit, who have to provide for the establishment of the universe, and that he inherits by right his father's appellation. Some there are who have imagined that another origin must be found for the title son of man, for they have had the presumption to call the father himself man by reason of the profound mystery of this title, so that what can you hope for more ample concerning faith in that God, with whom you are now yourself on a par? Such conceits are constantly cropping out amongst them from the redundance of their mother's seed. And so it happens that the doctrines which have grown up amongst the Valentinians have already extended their rank growth to the woods of the Gnostics. End of Against the Valentinians, Part 2, by Tertullian.